Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is titled Everyone, and it is the fifth part of the United Sermon Series. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check us out at our website at bccma.org or send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. So, today's message, uh, like I said, won't be a normal sermon. Uh, uh, it's, not, it, it's not like this kind of sermon you're going to get fed by. Well, that just fed me. If you want to get fed, go to Connection Central, and we can give you a gift certificate to Wendy's. And, <laughs> or fast food of your choice, and you can get fed. Uh, come back next week. So give us a, you know, come back next week and I'm going to feed, we're going to feed again. In fact, we're going to talk about, um, the sermon series is called The Good Fight. And I really want to address what's happening in the culture with all the division. All the division uh, in the world around us. And of course, we're the world. <laughs> we're just part of that world. We happen to come to church on Sunday. And so... Uh, the person sitting, Christy kind of talked about it a little bit, you know, the person sitting across the aisle from you, maybe totally opposite of you and your political views or, or on the proceedings that happened like this week, for instance, was a perfect example of extreme polarization. And uh, what's the church supposed to do? What are Christians supposed to do in this environment? How, how, we, how, how should we represent Christ? And how, how, can we ever speak up for issues that uh, someone might call some might call social justice issues, or, or are we just to be nice little people who never speak up and never say this is what I think? Or, uh, it's very. This is a very. I, I've never seen it this difficult. I've never seen it this. I've never seen it this this highly charged. And um, so I'm going to do my best in the next four weeks to try to give us a roadmap for going forward, and with the with the where we are in culture right now. Hopefully it'll be helpful. So we'll get to that next week. So today is going to be not a message to feed you, but to challenge you. It's a team meeting. It's a family meeting. We're going to be talking about our church today and some things that if you're an outsider, you might not be all that interested in those things. And I hope you get something out of it. I believe you will. But I'm just telling you today, every once in a while, you need to stop and say, okay, here's where our church is. Here's what we're doing. Here's where, here's where we need to pat ourselves on the back and say, you're doing good. Here's the things we need to commend ourselves for. Here's some things we need to do better to, to do what God is saying to us to do. So to uh, kick it off, we're going to show a video that's going to show what happens when people get united and want the same thing, what they can accomplish. It was Herman Ostry's idea. His barn needed moving to higher ground anyway, and he thought this would be a grand way to celebrate Bruno, Nebraska's centennial. Some had no doubt that with a hearty heave-ho, the barn would go. Think you're strong enough to lift it? Yes, I can lift 90 pounds. But others weren't so sure. I hope so. <laughs> I think so. To pull off a project like this, you need a lot of muscle and a little help from above. The barn, as you see, was born 1928. So it looks like we're going to be about ready to go. And uh, we're going to thank the Lord for the beautiful day that we are all hoping for. We hope that we can accomplish what we're set out to do here today. We hope to make some history. 
when people work together, when people get an agreement, when people hear the same voice and they want the same thing and they put, everybody does just their part. Every, every person in that, around that barn, had, they had different levels of strength. So all, all that, all that the, that group needed was everybody to be as strong as they could be, not strong as the next guy or stronger than they could be. They just need to be strong as they could be and follow the direction and move when they said move and take their time and, and care and, and, and have fun with it. So that's what we want to be as a church. We want to be a place, and we believe God has called us to be a place that is in harmony, that wants the same thing, that has the same goals, that in the name of Jesus Christ is moving forward. And we're not asking anybody to do more than they can do. We're asking everybody to do what they can do. Carry the load. Be, be the strongest person you can be. Find your place and be the strongest person you can be in that place. That's what we're talking about. Now, God deeply loves us as individuals. My, my uh, preaching, most of it is personal. Most of it is about who you are as a person. I want every Sunday, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor deep in my heart. So every Sunday, I want you to go home with something that will make a difference in your personal life, in how you feel, how you think, in your, in your marriage, in your family, in your job. I want something to minister to you personally. So I want you to hear a personal word from God. God loves you personally. God loves you individually. Western civilization, by the way, is built on the sovereignty of the individual. And I think the, that's a very important principle that Western civilization must continue to believe in. And it's scriptural. It's biblical. I could take you to many places and prove that. But... But God also has a group identity. And I'm convinced that while God deeply loves us as individuals, He has ordained that we have a group identity as the people of God. And that we have a group identity as the church of Jesus Christ. And that our group identity not only be the church of Jesus Christ, but also the local church. In the book of Revelation, we're going to read a passage from one of those letters in a moment. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven specific churches, and he had something specific to say to every single church. He knew the profile, the character of every one of those churches. 
and he had something to say to each one of them that was distinctly different, something that he wanted every member of that church to hear. And then, of course, we have the epistles. Nine of the 18 epistles are directly letters to local churches. Most of the time, when the Bible says the word church, it is talking about the local church, even though we understand that there is also a reference to the big C, the universal church that we're all a part of. And one of the joys in my life of traveling around the country and a little bit around the world is uh, finding members of the big C everywhere I went and people that I could have fellowship with. And I remember being in Garmisch, uh, uh, Germany one time, and there kind of I kind of got stuck there. And by the way, it's not a bad place to get stuck. Uh, it's a gorgeous place. And I got stuck there for a week, though it's a long story. But I remember checking into a guest house and uh, walking down the hall, and I heard I heard people singing praise music. I thought, why? This is weird. And I find the room, and a bunch of uh, young people with Youth with a Mission were there singing and worshiping God. So it's wonderful to be a part of the big C. But God is very clear that um, you are called to be connected to a local church. We're put on earth to move the church of Jesus Christ forward, and God wants to use the Local church is a part of his plan for restoring all things to the world. There's not, no place quite like the local church. So I want to talk to you today, first of all, about the everyone mandate. By the way, this message is called everyone. Because God wants to include everyone in this room in his plan for the church and his plan for the local church. Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, he's not being vague there. He's, he's about to share seven letters to seven churches that were in Asia there in the first century. So he's not being vague. And so he's saying, I want everybody at the local church level to hear what I'm saying to their local church. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Now, I used to interpret Revelations 2-7, where he says, Let every man hath, that hath an ear hear. I used to interpret that as meaning that some people have spiritual discernment and some people don't. I used to interpret that to mean that some people can hear, but some people can't. That, and it's like... It's like, uh, uh, okay, some of you are going to be able to hear this message today. The rest of you can just talk amongst yourselves. Because uh, you, too bad, you're tone deaf, and you won't be able to hear, some of you. Uh, so, so I had a very mystical interpretation of that. Is, oh, there's some spiritual people in the church. There's some spiritual people that can really hear what I'm saying every Sunday. And, and, uh, and uh after, however, I went back and looked at it again. I said, wait a minute. That's reading too much into the text. He's not saying that at all. That's not what he's saying. It's not mystical. It means that everybody with an ear, you don't even need two ears. Just one. Everybody with an ear, stop and listen to what God is saying to your local church. What is the Lord saying? Let everyone hear a message that's not only intended for them personally, but for the entire church corporately. That's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting that God wants you to hear something that's intended for the church corporately. Another thing that the Lord really, I believe, corrected me on was 
Um, I used to, I, I, would, I would find, and I still do some people, often will come to church on Sunday uh, listening for God to speak to them. And uh, th- uh, th- this, uh, this time, this 40 minutes or so, 30 minutes or 40 minutes, is, is a time when a lot of people search for personal direction. They look for a word from God for their life. And, and, I, and I would get kind of annoyed by that. And I would think, I wish they would not put that much pressure on me. You know, I can't handle that pressure of being the person who speaks for God. You know, uh, go hear God for yourself. You know, just get, get a Bible and read it and figure out what God wants you to do with your life. And, and, but but I, I've sort of modified that. I, I still believe you need a personal relationship with God, by the way. But I, I do believe that, that the people, that you're like that because God has wired it like that. God has wired it like that, that we are to go to our church to hear from the Lord. That we're to, we're to go to our church to hear what the Spirit is saying. That, that, is, that, that that's, that's embedded in the consciousness of humankind. That, that's, that's, that's God's way of doing it. So, so instead of fighting against that, I'm going to go with that better from now on. Let's, let's just flow with it that God has brought us to this place and God has brought us to this building. And, and this building, though it, in itself it's not sacred, where two or three are gathered in my name, he said, I'm in the midst. So by that, by that admonition, we make it sacred. This place is as sacred as Mount Sinai or the temple in Jerusalem. It really is. It really is. And, 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 and we, the ecclesia, the, the word church means ecclesia, the word church does not mean a building. And you've heard that taught before. The Germans later started using the, the, the word kirsch, which, is, which meant a facility or edifice or tabernacle or building. And uh, the, the, the proper word in the, in the Greek was ecclesia, which means a gathering of people. So, yes, the, the wood and everything and the, the, the carpet is not sacred, but because you have made it your church, you've made this a sacred place where you, you, where you can regularly hear from God. So let's, let's just go, let's flow with it, okay? So let everyone hear a, a message that's not only intended for them personally, but intended for the entire church corporately. You see, we naturally strain, as I said earlier, to hear what God is saying about us personally. That's okay. We want to hear... I was a pastor going to say something today that will give me some direction about my choice of a mate or a, a career or how I'm going to supply the finances for my child to go to college. That's fine. But God is saying here, I also want you to hear as a group. I want you to create a collective space in your soul alongside your personal space. I want you to, I want you to create a collective space where you can hear what you are to be together, what the church is to be. Because the Spirit wants to unite the church. The Spirit wants to unite the church. Now, now we want the world to be united, but the, the, the Spirit starts by uniting the church. Now, also this text is saying to us, and I'm just doing a quick like exegesis of this text. This text that I read to you is saying, Make it a point to hear what the Spirit is saying to the local church. Not even the big C church, because he, he said the word churches, plural there. So the word churches meant he was talking about some specific churches. 
In Revelation 2.7, he makes it clear that he has a customized message to different local churches, and you are supposed to be committed and identified to a local church to the point, listen to this, you're supposed to be committed to a local church to the point that you share the character of that church, and you share the personality of that church, and you share responsibility for that church. Well, you say that sounds kind of like a cult. No, it's not a cult. It's a culture. Cult, bad. Culture, good. <laughs> it, you know, many of you know. Many, uh, you know, I have people who've left this church three or four times in their lifetime. And, and they were, if they were testified today, they would tell you we never harassed them or any, used any psychological or certainly physical harassment because they went and they stayed out of church or they went to another church. That's what cults do. This is not a cult, but it is a culture. And God has wired you to be a, a, cultural, a creature of culture. God has wired you to move into culture and to be a part of that culture. So then in the last half of the verse, he does something really interesting. I think this is fascinating. In the last half of the verse, he connects your corporate spiritual identity with your spiritual experience with God. To the person, he says, who's in tune with the Spirit, I'll paraphrase, enough to discern what the Spirit is saying to the church, they will find out what they need to flourish and be successful personally. He said, he said, to him who overcomes, if you get the order, listen to what the Spirit is saying to your church, to the place that you attend, where there's pastors and leaders and brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, the army of God. By listening to what God is saying to your church, I will teach you to be an overcomer in your personal life. You will be richer for it personally because you listen corporately. That is an amazing thing to me. In fact, he says, I have a special experience to them who do this right that is so awesome and so wonderful that there's no earthly way to describe it. I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Now, I didn't explore that and really dig into that exactly what that means. But he's saying... I've got something so wonderful for you. If you will get with my program and, and you, you will follow my protocol and just as you honor the human family and it's not about leaving your human family or forsaking your, 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 your human family and go and join the church. That's a cult that does that or, or forces you to do that or tries to. But it means I will join the family of God and I'll become a part. I'll become a functioning member of the church. Whatever that means for me. See, the lo this local church thing is absolutely huge. Let me give you just a couple more confirming passages. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be confirmed. Ephesians 4, 10 through 12, and the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up to the highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below. Fill heaven with his gifts, fill earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to train Christians in skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church. One more. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention, the parts we don't. 
See, the local church is central to what God is doing to restore all things to himself. God's calling everyone to be a vital part of a local community of faith. I believe that. So let's talk about us, Bethany Community Church. If God had a letter to Laodicea and Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and uh, Ephesus, all those places, Philadelphia, if he had a letter to every one of those places, he had a letter to Colossae and a letter to uh, uh, Philippi and a letter, to, a couple of letters to Corinth. If he had letters to all those churches, he might have, he, he, he's monitoring us. He's um, watching what we're doing. He's been directing our path. So let's talk about you're the everyone, and let's talk about our, everyone's past accomplishments. God has done a wonderful thing here, and I'm really proud to be a part of this church. I love this church. You are the finest people on the face of the earth. I don't want to be anywhere else. One time I got, a guy took me out to dinner. He was from Oregon. And the church out there needed a pastor. And he was in, involved. He said, I think you're the man, Phil. And we were at dinner. And um, he said, uh, the salary is $150,000 a year. And I didn't even blink. I said, no. And I don't make 150000 a year. I just want you to know that. If, if you would like for me to, we'll talk. But with Sherry and I, it's never been about money. It really hasn't been. We've, we've, worked, we've worked privately in order to be able to afford to live and serve. And I'm not saying that's always what pastors should do, but that's what we've done because we love this place. And we, everyone, all of us here, we've led hundreds of people to Christ. We really have. Literally hundreds of people to Christ and consecrated them in the waters of baptism. We have. Amen. Quantifying this service, the weekly weekend service, is difficult. But judging by your response and anecdotal evidence during the, uh, your response during the service and anecdotal evidence and what many of you seem to tell me, I believe we've crafted a positive worship experience. That's been hard work, and a lot of people, besides myself, have worked very hard to do this, and they still do every week. We've built an amazing school. We don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about that enough. We've built an amazing school. Amen? A school that actually people learn to read and write, and they learn math, and they learn algebra, and, and they go to college, and they, they become engineers and other sorts of school teachers and all kinds of other things in the world. And we've been doing that since 1992. We've done a good job. Everyone in here has done a good job. We've built a great school. And I'll talk about that a little more in a minute. Uh, and how many of you parents have been on the BCC Kids Facebook page? And you, you have little kids, and, and you have kids in, in King's Kids, or not King's Kids, I'm sorry, BCC Kids. And you have been on the page. How many have been on the page? Well, I, 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 can, I can see some hands. If, you're a, if you've got a child in... In the, in the program, uh, you need to go ask to be invited to that page because it's really cool what the, the, the staff has done. The pieces are falling into place for even a better Sunday morning kids ministry experience. It's gotten better and it's going to keep getting better. And, and what about, what about, we haven't talked about this much, what about Sunday morning happy place? Some, <laughs> now, some of you don't know what that is, but we have a special children's church experience for kids with special needs. 
And I think that's one of the coolest things ever. And Megan Patty and her team do an incredible job. And volunteers, if you want to volunteer there, and you, if you pass the test. Now, we, do, we, we just can't have all the riffraff up there. So you got, you got to make sure you get cleared. Uh, so that's, that's just, I'm so, uh, I, I was sitting at home one day and, and I was reading about Rockford, Illinois, Rockford uh, City First Church, I think it's called, uh, that they had started doing this program like that. And, and I, I felt so convicted, I, I got tears in my eyes. I said, we're doing the happy place for the community five days a week, and, or however many, and we're not doing anything in Sunday morning church. That's a shame. We have, people, can, people can't come to our service. If they have a child who needs special, special care, you, they can't be mainstreamed into children's church. They have to stay home. And we got to get better with that, by the way. we got to get bigger. we got to figure out how to give them a bigger space. And that's what the challenge part will be in a few minutes. Um, right now, our, I, I'm happy with our, our, our small group program, our community groups. We have, uh, if I counted correctly yesterday when I went over, like 146 uh, uh, adults in community group. And that's, uh, d- depending how you count our population here, that's, that's at least 40% of our adult attendees who are in a small group, maybe 50%. Right in there. That's, that's good. We're going to get better with that. That's another challenge. We need to get better, but that's really good, and a lot of pastors would like that. A lot of pastors would be thrilled if they had that many people, and I do, so I am thrilled. Um, we've established a healthy base of financial givers. I really appreciate the healthy base of financial givers that we have in this church. Healthy base of tithers, who people have made, taken that step to... To, to be a true, full tither. And people who, who, some have not gone that far yet, but they're systematically giving regularly. And I thank you for that. And you do, you, the, you, you do a good job. There's always needs, and always, we always need to raise more money, and all of that. Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly we'll talk about that from time to time. But we need to commend ourselves for what we've done. Uh, let me tell you about staff moves that have us so excited. Um, we... Um, we just made some big changes recently. We haven't even talked to you about them. And I won't talk about how we, led to the, how we got to those decisions, but, but let me just tell you. Here's what, we, what we've done. Um, uh, Brandy Gaudet has moved from uh, her role in the pastoral staff, though she still is involved and in she's still the hospitality director. But her primary job, she's moved to become the elementary principal uh, and uh, administ- elementary principal and BCA school administrator. Amen? And she did a great job. She's done a good job at everything she's done, but she, she's really, yes, amen. Give her a hand. She's, she's uh, found her sweet spot, though. She's just knocking it out of the park, and every, Sherry's constantly coming home and saying, man, Brandy's doing such a good job. And uh, uh, Shane Sullivan has also m- moved most of, a lot of his ministry to the school. He's still, he's still uh, he is now the marketing director for the church, and he still runs the back of the room. But he's also moved to be the uh, financial administrator and registrar for the school. And so we're really excited about that. We're, we're sad that uh, Lucy Pilling is abandoning us and moving to Florida. But uh, we are excited for Shane, and, and, and again, finding where he's just most anointed is just really exciting. 
and uh, uh, Sherry's still the uh, director of the school, Susan Pfeffer's still the high school principal, uh, and, uh, and our resident matriarch, <laughs> and, uh, and we, we've got to keep her in office. She needs an office, because you're going to see later, we come up with a plan where we lose her office for a while. We've got to build her another one somewhere. But, uh, and and uh, as you know, we've hired a youth pastor, and everybody's excited about that, right? Uh, a, a, a new youth pastor, Zach and Alyssa Green. And Jason will continue to be the worship pastor, but he's moving over into an executive pastor-type role in the church. And already, already he's just moving into what, what I believe is his sweet spot as well, as he's bringing me all kinds of data, things that I thought I knew that I, that I had wrong and I didn't know. And, and, and here's an example of what Jay did the other day. He's, he's, we're talking about attendance in children's church, and we have like, I don't know, 45 a week going up there. But, and, and we just thought, oh, we got 40 to 50 kids going every week. We need to grow, but that's good. And you know what he told me? He said, yeah, you got 40 whatever number, but it's not the same kids. It's not the same kids. So, so, so we have families that are missing six, seven Sundays a quarter. So we probably have 100 kids. And so, so two, two things. One, one thing, we got to rejoice. So praise you, God, we have more than we thought. And then on the other hand, well, we got to do some pastoral care and find out why these people are missing all this church. <laughs> That's what someone does when they have Jay's gifts and abilities. So, man, this is an exciting time at Bethany Community Church. Really exciting from an administrative and pastoral point of view. And so I'm going to get to play golf. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> No, seriously, I, I, I know God is, this is a very important time in my life, and I know, you don't have to remind me that I'm 63, I know it, I know it, I know, I know where I'm headed, I, I visit nursing homes, I, I, know, <laughs> I, know, I, know where this, I know where this is going, <laughs> but, uh, but no, seriously, I, I, I really want, I know God is calling me to focus on preaching and teaching. And God is calling me to focus on discipleship and pastoral care. And those are things I want to give more of my time to and let some of these other guys do the hard work. Uh, well, what else? We've filmed and getting ready to release our first steps and next step videos for our new attendees and new Christ followers. And these tools will be basis for membership and discipleship transitions. And... Uh, Someday, someday God's going to send us a discipleship pastor, and because we're called to that, and we can do better at that. Our property purchase, God is so blessed, our property purchases that we've made through the years, and uh, uh, well, I won't even give credit. There's people that need credit for that, but I, I, I won't take the time. Okay, let me just tell you, uh, we just purchased more property, and we, we had a bank appraisal of our property value. Now, now, unfortunately, this is not cash, so don't think we have a, millions of dollars living around, because we do not, uh, on the contrary. But we discovered that we have $5 million in equity in our properties. We, we, we discovered th this property here that you're sitting in right now, we paid $140,000 for this property in 92, and we probably put a million and a half dollars into actual cost of building, which is very cheap, by the way. We, we build very, very conservatively. Our first, our first building was $32 a square foot, 
So that's how conservative we are when we build. But this, this property right here is valued at $4.5 million. Uh, you have done a good job. You have done, you've made wise, wise investments. Everyone, because we couldn't have done it without everyone. We couldn't have done it. We, I called you together for all those purchases, and I said, vote. I, I need you to vote. And you all voted, you know, mostly voted yet. Yeah, the last vote was unanimous, that you unanimously voted. So we have done this together. C&E continues to, 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 to thrive with programs that touch the community. The Happy Place is getting ready to open a Happy Place store at the community center across the parking lot. Isn't that exciting? It's going to be so cool. And that's where the, our adult Happy Place uh, people with special needs are going to come and be and they're going to be coming, be and they're going to have a place to connect and fellowship and work and enjoy their lives, and, and we're going to bless their lives. And I want you to know. Let me tell you something, Bethany. You're doing things that churches of four and five thousand aren't doing. Whenever people come by here and they see all that we're doing, I've had people from Willow Creek in Chicago, a church of twenty something thousand, and they could not believe that a church this size could possibly be doing this many things. Now, now that, that, that's, a, that's something to rejoice about, but it's also something we've got to think about, and we've got to realize there's a challenge in that, and I'll give you that in a moment. Um, we've come a long ways, and we've come a long ways in doing what my friend Dennis Burrell spoke into my life years ago, changed the conversation in the community about the church. I think we're as much out there as we are in here, which is a good thing. Okay, let's talk about the vision for the future. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Peter gets up to preach on the day of Pentecost. He went on this vein, talking about the resurrection of Christ, for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. (laughs) That day, about 3,000 took him in his word and were baptized and were signed up. They immediately, they went and developed a counterculture. Richard Hoffer, uh, a novelist, uh, late novelist, who said something that stood out to me this week as I was preparing for this, and I read his quote, our frustration is greater when we have much and want more than when we have nothing and want some. And I thought, that's Bethany Community Church. We're a church with so much and we can spend all day long patting ourselves on the back, in which I've, I've taken a little more time than I meant to. I didn't realize how much I had to talk about, about how wonderful we are. But why then do we have, why then do I have this frustration that we're not what we should be? Well, partly, guys, we need to grow into that. We're doing, we're doing what a much larger church does. We really are. We're doing what a church that should run 1,000 or 1,500 does. I believe God is calling us to grow into that. I believe. I said, I believe the Spirit is saying to this church that we're supposed to grow into that so we can sustain that. Let me say that again. God wants us to grow into that so that we can sustain that. Now, 
After I absorbed that quote, I, wrote, I rewrote it in my own words. Our responsibility is greater when we have much and are called to do more than when we have nothing and are called to do something. We have four simple problems that we can solve, and it's unacceptable if we don't. God is doing things that are beyond us, like I said, and we haven't grown into. Before I give you those four directives, I'm going to go out on a limb. I know I will sound a little bit offensive and pushy, and I'll explain why in a moment. But we can't stay mediocre in our attendance, our spiritual fervor, our making of disciples. We're too blessed. We're too well-equipped. You're the best people I've ever met anywhere, anytime, any place. But I'm going to make some statements right now that... I hope they prove false. And I hope that you all come up to me afterward and say, that's not true, Pastor Phil. I hope I'm wrong, but I am of the feeling and opinion that the majority of us have never prayed the sinner's prayer with anyone. That the majority of us have never discipled anyone. We've never taught someone how to pray, read their Bible, forgive and do the practices of a Christ follower. I'm of the opinion that the majority of us are not discipling anyone right now. I'm of the opinion that the majority of us have never fervently prayed that God would send a revival to our church. I, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Some of us have not prayed about our financial commitment to the house of God. You're still the best people I know, and you're still my best friends. You may not feel that way after I said those things about you. <laughs> Let me tell you something, and this is somewhat of a rebuke. It's not your adversaries that rob you of the success you want to have in life. It's not your enemies. It's not that other political party. It's your friends, your family, and those who are closest to you who most determine your level of success, not your adversaries. All through Scripture, we see God's people being God demanding of His own people in ways that He wasn't demanding of outsiders. The Bible says it this way, rejoice when God disciplines you. It means you're not an illegitimate child. That's what the Bible says. If every one of you would start inviting people to church, if every one of you would start winning people to Christ, if every one of you would start hearing from God and discipling other people, if every one of you, if everyone in this place would take responsibility, that you would say, in the next year, I will have disciples someone and taught them how to be a Christian and how to live the Christian faith. Well, you know this crowd would at least double. You see, whenever a manager, a parent, or a coach focuses on the faults of other people's employees or other people's children, or other team's players, they are destined to fail. To see what we need to see, we usually have to look where we don't want to look. 
I said, to see what we need to see, we usually need to look where we don't need to look. So the people that are in this room, everyone in this room, needs to pick up the burden of becoming a soul winner. Everyone in this room needs to pick up the burden of becoming a discipler. Everyone in this room needs to pick up the burden of being a prayer warrior and praying the power of God into this place. Everyone in this room needs to become fervent about growing God's church. What do you think if Bill Belichick goes into a team meeting this week, regardless of what happens today? He goes into a team meeting, and one of the players raises their hand and says, Coach Belichick, I love you so much, man. I just love being with you. I don't want to ever be with any other coach, and I don't want to ever play with any other player, but play with any, on any other team. I just, I think you are awesome, Coach Belichick. But I don't care if we win any more games. I don't think that winning is so important, Coach Belichick. What's important is being together. Me and you. I love you, man. The things that would come from Belichick's mouth would not be repeatable <laughs> in church. But I know how it would end. It would be, get off my team. You are an adversary of what, God, of what we want to do as a team. Clean your locker out and get off the property today. But that's what happens in church. I love you, Pastor Phil. You're just the nicest, kindest, most gentle. You're the shepherd that I've always wanted. But I don't care if the church grows. I, I'm not bothered that people aren't getting saved. I don't, you know, but you, man, you're the man. I love you. Well, I'm not Belichick, and I'm not going to order anybody out, and I'm not kicking anybody out, but that's pretty rude. That's pretty rude to tell a leader that you love him and you don't want him to win. Isn't it? Am I being crazy? That's pretty rude. To say, I love, I, love the, I love all you people. I want to be part of your life. And not care what the Spirit is saying. Because the Spirit, you know what the Spirit's saying? Jesus said it. That my house may be full. That my house may be full. Okay, let me give you four, four things that I want you to do. Everyone has to start bringing friends to hear what God is saying at our church. Everyone. Everyone has to start raising up disciples and teaching them how to follow Christ. You say, well, I just barely know how to myself. You know what my friend Steve Light, counselor, said? He said, here's what they told me in school. If you are only one step ahead of your client, you can help them. So if, if you've just read the book of Luke and the book of Matthew and the book of Acts, and go find somebody who hasn't done that and teach them how to do it. If you just forgave your, your your enemies for the first time, go find somebody who's in bitterness and say, let me tell you how to forgive. I just did it. I just did it two hours ago. <laughs> 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 
Number three, everyone has to start crying out to God for a church revival. This is the church of Jesus Christ. It has to come alive. This is God's work. Number four, everyone has to ask what part they can play in building the house of God. We need to solve some key facility function and space issues. We brought a company named Visioneering in a while back to help us analyze what we needed to do to create better experience when people come to church. You say, well, we, we, we don't need to worry about that because mature people will walk three miles and worship God in a damp, damp dark basement. The people that I'm trying to reach aren't mature. <laughs> They're very immature. And if your church has more mature people than immature people, you're failing as a church. Because you're not winning new people. You're not bringing new people in. New people are babies spiritually, and they don't know much. And they certainly aren't going to walk three miles and go into a basement and worship God uh, there in the 21st century. Now, well, we'd like to get them there, because you probably wouldn't either. So don't be so high, high and mighty. So we discovered a few issues. First of all, one thing we discovered that our parking lot, we, our parking lot will, not, will not handle a full auditorium. If we fill the auditorium up, we got people out on 140. And we have problems with our connection space. We need a better environment for connecting with new people. Uh, I, you're a brand new person. You just came to church. You're probably going to walk through the maze and the, everything and go to Aunt Sandy's and get to know us. You're probably going to go home, get in your car, but you, you, that's not necessarily what you want to do. You want to connect. So I'm going to have, uh, just bear with us. I, I've gone, I've blown past uh, my time today. I, I, I don't know. I, I told you last Sunday I was going to quit apologizing, so I won't. But uh, <laughs> thank you for your patience. I do appreciate your patience very, very much. And uh, I want Jason to come, and he's going to explain some ideas. I would call them proposals at this point for some building that we're looking at. So, um, as I think it was poignantly pointed out, there are needs. Um, obviously, the real thing about a facility is that there's something good in it. And so, we got the, we got the quality product part solved, right? We have awesome stuff going on. But we think when people walk in, it maybe isn't the best experience, not just because they're so horrified by it, but because they're not really connecting to you guys. We think it's, um, and you get like, the real purpose of this sermon is really saying you're really the church, not the pastor. And so you're the church. And so, so we were thinking we need to find a way to get people connected to our church, not to our sermons, not to our worship, even though we think that's important and, and um, we think actually that's happening. But we think this other part's not happening as well. So we thought about some challenges. So we wanted to show you some images of just one way we can solve this problem. And there's a strategy behind it, and there's even a second and a third strategy behind it for growth. So, so when you first walk in our building, wait a second, Shane. I'll explain, and then I'll tell you when to put it up. When you first walk into our building right now, um, one of the things you may see is someone going to the bathroom. <laughs> um, and we were like, that's not the best. Um, so, we, so that was a real critical problem, we thought. But literally, it took us bringing a professional um, engineer in here to explain a very simple way to fix a problem, which is 
Well, well, I'll show you. So imagine you're walking in, and instead of seeing what we currently see, you see this uh, into the current double doors. Um, and so we, basically what we would be doing is moving the bathroom doors into the hallway and not where they currently are, which is where that guy with the blue shirt's standing. Um, but we believe this could be a really amazing kid's entrance, a family entrance, we would call it. Um, and this would become our second entrance. This would become really a secondary entrance, an amazing kids drop off, a really good experience for families. One of the things we're very sensitive to, if you're a visitor and you're bringing our child into our church, you want to immediately have that trust factor built up. You don't want to be going somewhere, wandering around for five minutes, trying to figure stuff out. And our, and our kids' uh, staff does an amazing job, and they work really hard, but this is a challenge that I think we can do better with just by having a better flow in our facilities. So um, let's go to the next one, Shane. So right now, if you were to walk in our double doors, you're going to take a right and look, and there's going to be a, like a closet. Well, we're imagining blowing that closet out and going straight into what's currently our... It's more of just like a corridor of like a traffic jam central, we could call it. That would be the name of the, <laughs> the room with the hanging chandelier. So imagine it's, there's a nice flow. You take a right in the door. You don't need to kind of walk up where you're currently going. So go to the next one, and then you're walking into this, which would be a nice little cafe area. You can see the bathroom doors have been moved onto the other side, and there's a cafe there. And this would just be the beginning of what we would think would be an important place to get people connecting. And, um, and man, wouldn't it be great to not have to literally set up and tear down on Sandy's every week? It'd be the... <laughs> if it was this, we might be able to get some volunteers. Some of you missed that. Some of you are like... All right. Um, but we want there to be a steady, consistent space where we can host people in a way that we think gives them dignity and makes them feel um, not just connected, but comfortable. Because modern people, they have a certain way of experiencing life. And like he said, it's not, this, is, this is for you people. Get, like, the good thing is you get to experience it too. So you get it too. But we think this is going to be a great way to serve guests is if they walk in and there's a nice coffee shop experience right there in the lobby. Um, and then, so what I'm going to show you next is where things get a little crazy and a little different. Um, next one, Shane. This, everyone, turn your head and look to the back exit door. Imagine that that was, instead of that, that it was that. It was some glass, beautiful entrance. That will become our main entrance to the sanctuary and actually to a, a fellowship space. As you can see, we put a wall up. So basically, we'd be where that corridor is, building a wall up, putting a ceiling on, and basically, this would flow into that coffee shop area. So we would have fellowship space, connection central, right when people walk in the door, there'd be a coffee shop where it wouldn't make a big, huge line. We'd have two entrances to the building, one for families, one for everybody else. And there'd be immediate connections and, and facilities. And, and one of the things that, like, and if you're a visitor today, thank you for bearing with us. Um, hopefully you don't feel like we're just kind of, like, talking about you like you're not here. Um, but I want visitors to meet you guys. I want it to be, like, 
If they're leaving, they're leaving next to you. They're not, you're going into on Sandy's and they're going out the other door and, and neither, you're never crossing paths. So we want to fix that problem, have a very nice, large fellowship space to connect you all into this. Um, so this is our idea of what the sanctuary could be. Um, basically the goal is initially shrink the sanctuary, go to two services. Um, that would add a little bit of capacity, but it would also fix our parking lot problem um, because right now we have basically parking for 350 people and a sanctuary for 420-ish. That seemed, we didn't really do a lot of math at the beginning, but now we're acknowledging. And so with the idea that we could add a balcony to this and get all our seating back and hey, we could even knock that wall out and add even more seating and build all our fellowship space where that current rocks are. But basically we're, we have two or three sequences where we could double our church growth twice um, without having to really add much footprint. And so really all of this comes down to a couple of very simple things. There are people in our community that need to know Jesus that we are underserving. There are people in our community who need to know Jesus that cannot park here if they wanted to. And um, we need to get you guys better equipped to ministry and serve, which is, you know, giving you access letting you connect with people. And not everybody who's going to show up at our church doesn't know the Lord at all. Maybe they're just looking for a spiritual community, a spiritual home. And if we would better show all the amazing things that we're, we do, they would get connected to the purposes that we have at the Happy Place and at c and &E and our school. And so all of it's really about, man, we got to build this house, not because we want to have the biggest and baddest church, but because there's 27,000 people in Milford alone. And there's not close to that many people in this room. And so we believe there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus, that this is the church they're supposed to be at, and um, that you guys have connections and amazing ministry opportunities, and we want to equip you guys. So that's that. Thank you guys for the time. Now, here's, here's what the summary of this whole series is. You are by nature, and I am by nature, driven by self-interest. That's not going to change, ever. That's how we are. If, um, if you're, uh, you're probably thinking about lunch right now. That's probably what you're thinking about. That's okay. That's okay. But let's go back to our text. What did our text today say? Let every man, let every person, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I'm not denying you your need to have self-interest or that being a part of who you are. But I am challenging you to become a person who can hear personally and you take it personally what God is saying to your church. You take it personally and you, you are listening intently for what God is saying to us and what he wants us to do. And we will stand before him someone day for our personal lives as it related to our corporate life. And so the, the challenge that I leave you with today is you will say, I will become a person who listens to the Spirit of God. I will begin to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. It, 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 notice it didn't even say, listen to what the pastor says. 
but he says, listen to what the Spirit says. And that's why when we're, when we're flowing together, the pastor gets up and preaches, and you feel like, I already heard that. That's what I've been thinking about all week. That's what my friends and I, my spouse and I, have been talking about this week. Because you're beginning to understand that the Spirit is speaking to the church. And you and the church get on the same channel, man. Some really great things are going to happen for you personally and for the church corporately. And we are going to hear Jesus say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I'm excited. I hope you're able to receive today's word from God and put it to use. Amen? Let's stand. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, by the way, would you... Uh, would you do, do something for me? Because I kind of want to get some idea of the response today. If you would say to me, Pastor Phil, I've heard the word of God today, and I'm going to listen to what the Spirit's saying to the church. Would you raise your hand if you're going to do that? Okay. Just raise up the other hand, and let's pray a prayer of surrender. God, we surrender to you. We surrender to your will for us personally, and we surrender to your will for us corporately, that you would help us to go and be together what everything that you want us to be. And we pray this in the awesome and mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.